Thank you. Thank you. All right. Simmer, simmer, simmer. Simmer. Oh, well, thank you guys for the warm welcome. Um, man, I'm just so pumped. Uh, I always enjoy coming up here because I actually get to see all of your faces. Usually when I'm out there in the lobby or at the door every Wednesday, like I catch like maybe like 50% of y'all. But like when I'm up here on the stage, I'm like, I get to see all of y'all. And that is awesome. Um, I miss you guys. Um, I know some of y'all were gone last week on spring break, uh, different trips, doing other stuff. Uh, for the folks that were here, I wasn't here and I missed you. I will confess, I ditched last week to go watch the Lakers lose to the Rockets. I know, I know, I repented, I confessed. My punishment is that the Lakers lost, so I won't be doing that again. Uh, huge Lakers fan, so yeah, it was, it was sad. Um, but so good to see you guys. Um, as Bud mentioned earlier today, today's a very special day for me. Uh, it is mine and Rachel's anniversary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Three years ago, we got married, um, and honestly, like, you guys should be whooping that Rachel. Like, living with me and being married to me for three years is not easy. Uh, it's an adventure. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but it, it's super cool. I mean, like, it's so cool to be married and just to do life with your best friend. Um, but what's, what's even cooler is just, like, serving with your best friend for God's kingdom. So, like, we were, like, chatting, like, man, like, do we, like, ditch tonight and like go on a little anniversary day like no like god brought us together to be a married unit so that we could serve his kingdom and like we love doing that the most here with you guys so um love you guys so when we got married three years ago uh today it was an interesting time in the world so right now it's 2023 if you do the math three years ago was march 2020 do you guys remember what happened in March 2020 by chance? That's right. Brady's birthday happened this day three years ago. <laughs> Who would have thought? No. Uh, three years ago, 2020 was, was, was when COVID happened. It's, it's when the world was shutting down, right? Like, can you imagine, like, like it's, it was so, like, not that long ago, but we forget, like, it wasn't that long ago that we were, like, wearing masks. We were social distancing. We were isolated from people. But, like, so much has, has happened in the past three years. Um, but kind of, kind of bringing it back to, to our wedding. So, you know, we got married March 22nd, 2020. This was the week uh, that the world shut down. Leading up to our wedding, uh, the government was announcing that, like, man, people can't gather if there's more than 200 people. And then the next day they would come out with an announcement and say, you can't gather in groups more than 100. Can't gather in groups more than 50 can't gather in groups more than 25, can't gather in groups more than 10. At this time, Rachel and I, we, uh, we had spent months planning for our wedding date. I think we got engaged in May. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not. Um, <laughs> and we got supposed to get married in March. So that, that's 10 months. We had been planning this wedding for 10 months. We had invited over 300 people because we're so popular. Uh, we had, we're not, we're not popular. We just have a big family. Um, but like we had like 200 people that like said they were going to come. Uh, we had people coming from all over the country, people from coming out of the country to the middle of Indiana for, for our wedding. Like we had all these vendors lined up, the venue, the food, all oh, the food was going to be so good. There were these bacon wrapped smokies, fried chicken and waffles because that's my favorite food. Uh, we had all this cake ordered, all the flowers being shipped in. 
um, we had planned for this wedding, we planned so much for it. And let me tell you, the worst part about it was honestly the seating chart. Like, in the future, take a mental note for y'all taking notes. In the future, say, when I get married, don't do a seating chart. It sucked. Just imagine we had over 200 people and we had a place where they're going to sit at the different tables. Like, that's, it's, this is like the biggest puzzle I've ever done. Like, you have like eight seats per table. You're like, okay, these five people know each other, but this, these two people kind of know those five people, so we can put them at this table. But then there's still an empty seat. Well, this person, there's three people. Like, two of them get along. One of them doesn't. Maybe we'll put that person there, but they don't know those people. It's going to be weird. Like, like, we had to do this for over like 200 people, and we spent countless hours doing the seating chart. I still have nightmares about it. Like, we had sticky notes all over our wall. And I'll wake up in like night sweats just seeing those pink sticky notes with names. Ugh. Gosh, I'm just like, I'm out of it now. Um, but we'd spent so long planning for this wedding, all to the lead up the week before when the government saying, you guys can't, can't have this wedding. Like society, the world was saying like, you guys should not be having this wedding right now because of this global pandemic that's occurring. So Rachel and I were like, man, like what do we do? Like, do we still have this wedding? Do we still go through with it? Like, despite everything people are saying, do we postpone the wedding? We had planned so long for this. Like, do we just push it out? We don't, we don't know when the world's going to open back up again. Like, this was, like, a big problem for us. Like, this was a challenge. Like, we did not know what to do. So, pause on, on that wedding story. Um, tonight, we are going to continue the sermon series, Follow Me. And we're going to look at how we respond to problems and challenges as we follow Jesus. Um, so tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew, Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. It is a story you've probably heard of, one of the most famous things Jesus has done, uh, potentially second to his resurrection. I know, I know, debatable, but um, we're going to be looking at uh, the story of when Jesus fed 5,000 people. There's a lot of y'all here tonight. I think on, like, Wednesdays, we get an average of, like, 175 students. I'm like, one, like, that's a lot. Like, 5,000 is, I can't do the math right now, a lot more than that. So just imagine, like, Jesus feeding 5,000 people. Um, so just to kind of put some context into where we are in the life of Jesus. Um, so just prior to this story occurring, um, Jesus had just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. So this is someone Jesus was close to. Uh, John the Baptist was in prison. Uh, he upset Herod. Herod, st stuff happened. John the Baptist was beheaded. So that's where we are. Just imagine, John the Baptist beheaded. So Matthew 14, verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, that John the Baptist was beheaded, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Then they said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. 
So we always say this is like the time where Jesus fed 5,000 people. He fed more than 5,000, but they're just like 5,000 dudes. Like these dudes had wives, these wives had children. Boom, lots of people. So, but if, if, we, if we look at this passage, like we, we normally look at like, man, like this is just like a miraculous moment where Jesus fed 5,000 people. But if we look a little bit deeper, we kind of see that like Jesus in this moment solves a couple of problems. Sure, like the, the big problem that we all think about is like, the people were hungry, Jesus made five breads and two fish feed 5,000 people. But if we look a little closer, there are, there are really you know, two problems um, that we see presented in the story. The first problem was with the crowd. See, the crowd was sick. They're dealing with sicknesses, with diseases. Uh, some of them probably were uh, blind, were mute, uh, were lame, like they had a broken leg or something. Um, and then the second problem was with the disciples, right? They acknowledge, hey, there are a lot of people here. It's getting late. People are hungry, and we don't have food. Now, they, they did have five loaves and two fish, but uh, five loaves of bread and two fish certainly uh, won't go a long way. I know some of you here, I'm not going to name names, but some of you here could eat five loaves of bread and two fish with no issue. Like, <laughs> like that's an appetizer for you, like... You're just teasing your hunger. I'm like, five loaves and two fish. Give me like 10 loaves and seven fish. Um, like if I brought five loaves and two fish to my small group, which honestly isn't that small. There's like 15 of us. Like that food would be gone in like an instant. So like how are we, how was like, how are the disciples like, Jesus, how are we going to feed 5,000 people with this amount of food? But what we see in this account um, from the crowd and from the disciples is that when we follow Jesus, we can bring our problems and our needs to him. You see, um, right, so Jesus was going to a desolate place, and the crowd followed him, right? It said, I don't know if we'll go back to it, he got onto a boat and withdrew to a desolate place. So just think about this. Just, I don't know where this was exactly, but I was just like picturing a lake. Jesus is on one side of the lake. He takes a boat, goes to the other side to be by himself, probably to, to mourn the, the death of John the Baptist. So the people knew he was going there, right, side lake to the other, and they followed him on foot. That's going around the lake, right? That's a lot of effort because they had the problem. They had their sickness. They knew Jesus could heal them, but they followed him so that they could bring their problems and their needs to Jesus. The disciples had a problem. They saw 5,000 plus people and like, how are we going to feed these people? They hungry. <laughs> and they're like, what do we do? Like, there's no store. There's no H-E-B. No Kroger. There's no. There's no Costco. <laughs> like there's no Costco people. Like this is the time where you need a Costco bulk food to feed five thousand people. But what do they do? They went to Jesus. They brought their needs and problems to Jesus. And if like we 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 take a step back and look a little bit deeper into that, we see that Jesus is accessible. He's accessible to the crowd. He's accessible to the disciples. And he's accessible to us still today. Though he's not in the flesh, as he was when the crowds and when the disciples, where they could physically go to Jesus and be with him, Jesus in the flesh, we could still go to Jesus, right? We have his Holy Spirit. Uh, we have access to him through prayer, and we receive him through his word. You see, um, I was thinking about this, and so growing up, I loved Kobe Bryant. Like, as I said earlier, big fan of basketball, big Lakers fan, huge fan of Kobe. Who here knows about Kobe? Yeah, see, a lot, of, a lot of people know about Kobe. Yeah, Kobe was awesome, the Black Mamba. And so growing up, I wanted to be a basketball player, so I'm like, I'm going to follow in the steps of Kobe. 
I'm gonna like model his game. I'm gonna learn how to shoot a jump shot like Kobe, play the game of basketball like Kobe. I had the hashtag Mamba mentality. And um, yeah, I wanted to be like Kobe, I wanted to follow him. But if I had a problem on the court, like if I kept missing a shot, if like my technique was wrong, I couldn't go to Kobe. I didn't have access to Kobe. This is not the case with Jesus. When we have problems, we can access Jesus, we can go to Jesus, and just a side note, I did not become a basketball player, not because I'm not good, it's just because I'm not tall. <laughs> that is the one thing I don't share with Kobe. It's the one thing. Um, but what's even cool is though we have access to Jesus, we have access to God, the creator of the universe. In Matthew 11, it says this. Well, Jesus says this. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. When we follow Jesus, Jesus reveals the Father to us. We now have a relationship with God the Father, the creator of the universe. You guys, like, think about that for a moment. Like, the creator of the universe. If we have a problem or an issue or a challenge, we can bring that to the creator of the universe. I was, like, trying to picture this in my head. This is the best, like, analogy I could come up with. I don't know if it's a good one or not. But just imagine... Uh, Where's Jake? Jake. Jake. So Jake is a carpenter. He's a woodworker. And so imagine like Jake, I don't know if that's like what carpenters do nowadays, uh, but like they build a house out of wood, right? Everything, all the details, house out of wood. And say you move into the house and uh, your door hinge is squeaky. Do you think Jake could fix your squeaky door hinge? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's such a small problem for the person who made your whole house. I mean, similarly, but to a much greater degree. I mean, that's how it is with God. Like, God is the creator of the universe. He is king of all, Lord of all. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. So when we have our problems and our challenges and our needs, we can bring that before him. We can access him. Nothing is too difficult for Jesus. Nothing is too big. Nothing is, like, too crazy for him to do. He can do it all. And the other thing that we see here is not only is Jesus accessible, but he's never too busy for us. I feel like oftentimes that's like a viewpoint like we have that I, that I used to have. I'm like, man, my problem, is so, my problem is so small in comparison to like everything that Jesus has going on. Like Jesus is out here saving people. He's out healing people. He's out here bringing world peace. He's doing all these big things. Like the small problem that I have from, I can figure it out on my own. I don't, I don't, he's too busy for me. But that's not the case here, right? The crowd, they followed Jesus to this desolate place. Like Jesus was probably gonna go and mourn the death of, like, his, his cousin. Like, Tom, just to be alone in prayer. Um, but he was interruptible. Like, he saw the crowd, like, following him, approaching him. He felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. So nothing is ever too big or too small for Jesus. And what we also see is that when we follow Jesus, we experience his compassion. See, compassion is something that I'm not the best at. I will, I will confess to that. Um, but we see that Jesus, you know, in verse 14, when he saw, when he went ashore and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So these people, when they brought their needs and their problems and their challenges before Jesus, he didn't just go, sucks, dude. That's a bummer. Tough cookies. Suck it up. Like, be a man. Like, deal with it on your own. No, he was like, no, Jesus had compassion for us. And I'm like, okay, what does, like, what does compassion actually mean? And so I was like, yeah, compassion is like feeling bad for someone, right? Is that what you guys might define compassion as? Like, man, you see someone and they're suffering, you just feel bad for them. So I looked it up in the Google, 
uh, says, compassion is concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. I'm like, okay, that kind of like, kind of clarifies a little bit more. Uh, but I'm like, you know what, let's, let's do what a lot of these like smart people who preach do. Let's look at the Greek word and see what compassion means. Yeah, yeah, pro tip. Uh, so I don't know like how to pronounce a Greek word for compassion. It was like a bunch of like syllables I didn't know. Like Olivia here probably was like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. But whatever it is, uh, the Greek word for compassion means to be moved in the inward parts. It's an inward response to someone's like sufferings, to someone's misfortunes, right? When you see someone's uh, sufferings and misfortunes, like you're affected by it in your like innermost being, like your heart is like, like feels for them. Um, and so this weekend I, ex- I experienced some compassion and the difference between compassion and not compassion. Uh, talking a lot about basketball tonight. Uh, so who, like, who knows March Madness is going on? Anybody? Yep. Yeah. Big tournament, captivating in the nation. Uh, it's always a fun time. Um, so I went to the school called Purdue University. Um, we had a great basketball season. Uh, we had the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And we were playing against uh, this team that was the 16th seed. So mind you, at Purdue, we have a giant on our team. Uh, he's seven foot four. So just imagine me, but like twice as tall. Um, and like, so the team we played on Friday was this team in the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, called Farley Dickinson. And they boast the shortest team. So we had the shortest team against the tallest dude in the country playing basketball. Who do you think is going to win? Right? Purdue, the number one seed. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Somehow, Farley Dickinson beats Purdue. And as Rachel will tell you, I'm a very avid Purdue fan. So, like, this, like, this, this loss hurt. Like, it, it sucked. It was a bummer. And so after the loss, I had a lot of friends text me, bro, that sucks. Bro, are you embarrassed to go to Purdue? Like, bro, what happened to your team? Like, bro, I don't want to be in your shoes right now. And I'm like, they, they saw my suffering, they saw my misfortune, but they didn't have any concern for it. Sure, they, they felt bad, but they didn't have any concern for it. But on Sunday, like, you know, I, I came to church, and there are a couple guys, dudes like I chat with, like, we both, like, follow basketball. They came up to me, they just looked at me, didn't say a word, approached me with a hug. Like, for me, I don't know, maybe it's cheesy, but that, that's a compassion. They were, like, compelled to act because they saw my suffering and my misfortune. And, like, we say that jokingly, but, like, but it's true. And so what, what we see is that, you know, when Jesus has this compassion for us, when he's moved, when, like, he's moved because he sees where we're at, he doesn't just feel bad. He does more, right? Because Jesus' compassion is followed by action. When Jesus sees our needs and our problems, he has compassion for us and he acts. When he saw the crowd, he saw their sicknesses, felt compassion and healed them. When he saw the disciples like scrambling to make five loaves of bread and two fish go a long ways, he felt compassion and he moved, he acted. And what we see um, is that when we follow Jesus, he provides a solution for our problems, right? For the crowd, he healed their sick. He provided food for the disciples to feed the crowd. Um, but Jesus' solution to our problems may not always be the solution we want or the solution we expected, right? Um, the disciples wanted Jesus to dismiss the crowd. I think if we look back at the passage, 
Um, the disciples say, this is the desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So we go back to the problem. 5,000 people, no food. Disciple solution. Send the crowds away, let them buy their own food. Jesus' solution, miracle. Um, but if we look at like the greater context of what's going on in, in this time, like the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah, the the expected one, and they were expecting the Messiah to come and overthrow the Romans. Because at this time, like the Romans were not being so nice to the Jewish people. Uh, there was some oppression, and the Jewish people were like, "Man, our Messiah is going to come. He's going to be king. He's going to free us from this oppression. Um, we're going to stand above the Romans." But is that what Jesus did when he came? No. No, Jesus came to preach the good news of salvation, to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we can be free from sin and death. No longer like bound to the Romans, but no longer bound to sin and death. And he came so that we can have reconciliation with God, right? We have our problems. And the problem that the Jewish people at the time really had is, you know, they, they were separated from God, you know, but Jesus made a way and provided a solution for that problem. And Jesus provides for what we need which isn't always what we want. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow because, I mean, we want what we want. Um, another quick story. Uh, when, I was, when I was in choir, who, who here is a choir kid? Anybody a choir kid? Yeah, that's right. First soprano, pre-puberty, first soprano, let's go. Where my soprano's at? Um, yeah, so I was, I was a first soprano. Anyways, I did choir for eight, or eight years of my life, and I remember one year after the Christmas season, and Christmas season requires a busy season, a lot of concerts, um, you know, I remember coming home and just, like, looking at, like, the black shoes we'd wear to, like, our Christmas concert. So I had three brothers, um, and so I had hand-me-downs. Anybody who's worn hand-me-downs know that hand-me-downs aren't, like, the most fashionable thing. Um, so my older brother had hand-me-downs for my cousin. I had my older brother's hand-me-downs, which were hand-me-downs from our cousin. My younger brother had my hand-me-downs, which were my older brother's hand-me-downs, which were hand-me-downs for my cousins. Needless to say, our black shoes that we wore to choir concerts were not in good shape. Uh, but this Christmas, uh, the new Nintendo Game Boy Advance came out. Anybody play one of those things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a little square, flips up. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. Um, better than that VR place, but... Uh, shock. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but to me, this, like, this new Game Boy Advance came out, and like, my brothers are like, man, like, Dad, this is what we want for Christmas. This is what we want. And so we come Christmas morning. Uh, he brings out this big old box. Okay, we're like, okay, that's not the Nintendo Game Boy Advance that we want. What is it? Within that box, another box. Okay, open that box. Within that box, another box. All these boxes until there's an envelope. I'm like, okay, what's in this envelope? And in the envelope was a picture of a Nintendo Game Boy Advance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said, boys, like, the store didn't have any. That's not how my dad sounds, by the way, but I don't know. It's the voice I'm going with. Uh, we don't have any, but once the store, like, is restocked, I'll go buy you a Game Boy Advance for you guys to share. And we're like, oh, great, best day ever. And we go to church, and we're, we're driving home. My dad, like, turns to us boys. He's like, guys, I know I told you I was going to get you a Game Boy Advance, but you guys need some new black shoes, like, for choir. You guys are going to be doing choir for a while. So do you want the black shoes, or do you want the Game Boy Advance? I'm like, Dad, we want the Game Boy Advance. He's like, <laughs> boys. I was like, yes, Dad, we'll take the shoes. And so we go to Payless, and we get these new black shoes, which are great. Payless at the time was always buy one, get one free. 
like the BOGO deal. So my older brother got a new pair. I got a new pair, they were half off. My little brother got a pair. My dad got a pair that was half off. So it worked out for everyone. I think it was just my dad trying to get a new pair of shoes for himself. But, but sometimes like we don't get what we want, but Jesus provides what we need. So, I mean, when, when we bring our problems and solutions or our problems and our issues to God, we can, trust that his, we can trust that Jesus does have a solution for our problems. In Romans, um, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So when we're dealing with these problems, when we're dealing with challenges, when we have issues, we can lean on this truth that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So just to, to wrap up and bring it kind of back to, to where we started, um, our wedding story, um, we decided that, you know, we were going to continue with the wedding, but not in the way that we wanted. We weren't going to go to Indiana for the wedding. We weren't going to celebrate our marriage in front of our, our 200 friends and families. Uh, but we had peace that, like, March 22nd was the day we're supposed to get married. So what we did is uh, we got married here in Texas at the old One Life building. Uh, without any friends, uh, or without any of our close friends, um, without any of our families at the time. Uh, I will shout out Diane Wyndham. She was there. Yep, Diane Wyndham was, was, she was one of the 10 people that witnessed our wedding in person. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Diane. Without Diane, it wouldn't be possible. Um, but what was cool about our story our wedding, is that although we didn't get to have it the way we expected it, uh, what we did do is, is we live-streamed our wedding. And we, we just put the, the link on Facebook. And what we found out was that more people were able to watch our wedding than we had even invited, right? We invited more than 300 people because we're not popular, but more than 300 people got to watch our wedding online. What is even more cool about that is, you know, when we thought about it, it's like our prayer for our wedding our hope was that God would use it for his glory as a way to point people to him. And what we found out afterwards uh, was that there were many people that live-streamed our wedding. People like I haven't talked to like since my childhood. Like people like I didn't even think to invite. But they watched it and they commented. And, you know, they're just like, man, I've never witnessed such one, a beautiful wedding, but just a beautiful display of the purpose of a marriage. Uh, we had Eric Fuentes, who's one of the elders here, um, share the gospel during our wedding. So during that time, though it wasn't the wedding we wanted, Jesus, Jesus used it, right, the solution for our problem, he provided a way for more people to hear the gospel, to hear his good news, to be pointed to him. And that was just, I mean, when we step back, we're like, man, God, you are so, so good. So as we follow Jesus, our life is not going to be easy. It's not going to be carefree right? It's not going to be without problems or challenges. Actually, quite the opposite. It's probably going to be full of problems and challenges. But if we, if we think about it, those who follow Jesus face, will face problems, challenges, will have issues. Those who don't follow Jesus will also face problems, challenges, and issues, right? Our friends that don't know Jesus, they, they go through challenges. They have difficulties in life. But the difference is that though we both parties have problems, we have Jesus, right? We have the creator of the universe on our side. So for you guys, like, what are some of the problems you're dealing with? You may not be dealing with them right now. You may have dealt with problems. 
You may, you may be dealing with some pro big problems right now, or there may be some big problems you'll be dealing with in the future, right? You may have a difficult home life. You may be suffering with some broken relationships. You may have a sickness and need healing. Uh, you may be lonely without community. You may have a financial struggle. You may be dealing with an addiction or, or a sin pattern. And so as we face these problems, who or what do you run to? Do you run to your friends to find a solution for your problem? Do you run to self-help books, um, ideas, podcasts, social media influencers to help solve your problems? Do you try to ignore your problems by distracting yourself, running to entertainment, binging the latest season of uh, Outer Banks on Netflix? Do you, as I, as I am so prone and, so and I, I tend to do, do you run to yourself with your problems? Like, man, I'm gonna figure this out on my own. Like, I'm gonna lean on like, my own understanding, my own strength to figure this way, figure my way out through this problem. Do you withdraw? Like, you just like ignore your problems. You're just like, nope, I'm gonna go this way instead. Just gonna ignore everything that's going on here. We're just, just gonna run away from it. You see, these other things that we may run to when we face our problems, when we face our challenges, when we face our issues, they don't truly fix or solve the problem. They're just like Band-Aids. They may provide a temporary fix, but this problem is only gonna resurface again. And sometimes these temporary fixes actually bring up additional problems, additional issues. You see, there's a right way and a wrong way to respond to challenges and problem. One is to wish them away, kind of similar to like how the disciples did in the beginning, right? Let the people go, send them to the town, let them feed themselves. The other way is to trust that God has a solution, right? To trust in his provision. Because God's solution is whole and it is complete. So I'll uh, invite the band to, uh, to come back up and, and we can go ahead and respond. Um, but in this passage, we, we kind of see that there, there's two invitations. You know, for those of you that, that don't know Jesus, that aren't following Jesus yet, there's the invitation to follow Jesus. Right, when we think about the biggest need, the biggest problem we have, it's that without Jesus, we have eternal separation from God. The greatest example of Jesus' compassion is the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. He saw that we were in darkness, separated from him, shackled to sin, heading toward eternal separation from God. Yet Jesus stepped down from glory, took on flesh, lived a blameless life, suffered the punishment we deserve, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And because of his death and through his resurrection, he provides us freedom from sin and death. And he provides us a new identity. We are now called sons and daughters of God. We are citizens of the kingdom. And he provides us with the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us. And he provides us with access to God. And if you are following Jesus, um, there's an invitation, I mean, to run to him with your issues, with your problems, with your challenges. Right? Run to him. Seek after him. And scripture says, lean not on your own understanding, but on all your ways, acknowledge him. So you guys can go ahead and stand and, and we'll respond. Um, but man, if there is something you are struggling with, if there is an issue or you have a, do a, pro have a problem, man, I encourage you to ask for prayer. Find a friend, seek prayer, find an adult leader, um, seek prayer. Um, share with your small group tonight as, as we go into that. So let's, uh, let's pray.
Jesus, we just come before you. We're just so grateful that uh, you are king, that you are accessible to us, that you don't leave us um, to deal with our issues, our problems, our challenges by ourselves, but that you make a way and that you have a solution. Just thank you that your solution is whole and is complete, that you are renewing all things. We just thank you that you are for us, that you love us, that you have compassion for us, God, that your heart aches for us, aches to see us healed, aches to see us restored and renewed. Just thank you that you are bringing us into your light. You are calling us into freedom. Just thank you that you just go before us, Jesus, that you care for us and that you love us. We love you, we adore you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.